And your other host is not here, but your other host usually is Mike Malsum. This week we are running a show that we ran last June as the Lucky You Lounge was about to open. Our interview with Carly and Caleb Ingersoll. And now with phase two starting to ramp up, I wanted to um, showcase one of the businesses, one of the business people that we've had on the show. Uh, So I wanted to let you know Lucky You now is open for takeout, 4 to 8 p.m. every day, cocktails and food. The full food menu is available and all the signature cocktails are available too. All can be viewed on the website luckyulounge.com. We know Carly and Caleb are musicians as well, and they're probably uh, itching to get back on the stage. But for now, uh, you can help the local arts community by supporting the Lucky You Lounge. And um, you can listen to Carly and Caleb talk about music and business and everything else on this uh, rerun from last June. Greetings, everyone. This is KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1, 92.3 FM. And you're listening to Art Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Malsom. I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. Today, I think the theme of this section, uh, hour is going to be luck somehow. This is going to come out. Oh, you're trying to make that happen, are you? Yeah. <laughs> see where this goes. But anyway, uh, we're, we're really happy to have as our guests today um, Caleb and Carly Ingersoll. Uh, talents extraordinaire, musicians, entrepreneurs, um, but I think more than anything, um, a real catalyst for really changing the, the music scene here in Spokane. I agree. I'm excited. I'm just worried that we only have 55 minutes. How are we going to fit this all in? <laughs> I was worrying about the same thing today, having coffee. I'm going, I, we could easily get an hour in with each of them. Oh, and for sure. still not. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> so much going on. So, I mean, obviously the yeah. reason you're here probably is because of your big new venture. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, we just opened a new, well, we're, not, we're trying to say not music venue. We opened a restaurant. Um, but it's a restaurant, full bar, and music venue, and basement lounge. So it's kind of a all-encompassing, all-day, all-night kind of spot um, that revolves around the expansion of kind of what we've done with the Bartlett, um, taking it to a bigger level, uh, more things going on, trying to incorporate um, more types of music and bands from out of town and a f- more full experience of just the straightforward uh, rock room kind of concept. So, yeah. Now, is this a bigger undertaking? Now, of course, you know, every time you undertake something, you say it's going to take X amount of dollars and X yeah. amount of time and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, so how, I guess instead of saying, was it a bigger undertaking, I guess how much more, how much bigger of an undertaking was it than you thought it was going to be? Oh. <laughs> much. Much bigger. How so? Yeah. Well, I mean, the space is like three times bigger just in square footage. And I mean, the money put into it was more than three times what we put into the Bartlett. So just a giant undertaking although it did take less time i mean it was like a year between signing the lease and getting open so So. just to backtrack a little bit because i think the the nexus of establishing the bartlett was kind of a game changer for spokane um when you before the bartlett even started what was really the vision that both of you had for for music 
in Spokane? I mean, and how did how did that manifest itself out to to what the Bartlett is when you started? Yeah, I would say for me, uh, Lucky You Lounge is actually closer to what we kind of originally envisioned, um, but there's no possible way we could have done that without the Bartlett and learning what that took and um, even how Spokane would react to it. And we just didn't have the history and um, the background to do something on Lucky You's level. So we started with the Bartlett and we started small and we, it was almost like a test to kind of see if Spokane was interested in what we were trying to do. Um, And it, it was gangbusters from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It kind of took us by surprise, really, at how quickly Spokane um, grabbed on to the concept. Yeah, and the idea was that at the time, there was really only a couple of smaller clubs. The A Club, which is the pin now, and Red Room. And Jones Radiator had a little stage, mm-hmm. which was great. But, you know, the sound at Jones was only as good as you can get in a you know brick room and... Mm-hmm. Most places just didn't really have a super professional setup at the time, and we really wanted to create a space that raised production value for shows, no matter what kind of music, um, and was all ages, because the Red Room wasn't, and Jones wasn't. So at the time, there was just nothing, there was hardly anything going on, and not a lot of places for local bands to play, and not a lot of places for touring bands to come through, so it's kind of like we need to create a sweet spot for those, those two things, and... And kind of just see if we can get other clubs to step up their game as far as like sound system, lights, production. And that's, I think that's really happened. I mean, most places now have great setups. Mm-hmm. And so it's more, it's become more standard, which is really cool. Well, one of the, the comments I get from either people that have been at the Bartlett, and I'm sure this is going to transfer over at the Lucky You, is that the sound is is amazing relative to where you know they've been before or other venues that they place so um and i know caleb you've got you know a background in sound technology or audio mm-hmm. technology so um tell us a little bit about just that process of designing that room and and getting it to the point where it is right now yeah uh the bartlett was actually a little bit easier um we had a sound system before we moved in there and so it was more just kind of shaping uh, shaping elements of the room to work with that system. We did the back wall. It has all those blocks on the back and those are sound diffusers. So they, it helps you in a small room. It's easy to get, um, like a pretty heavy slap back from the PA system when it hits that back wall. Mm. Um, so that kind of does away with that. And then we added some sound paneling on the ceiling and the walls, um, but really not too much. We didn't want to suck the life out of the room, so it still has a good liveness to it. Um, and then Lucky You was a totally different ball game. I mean, it was it's a shorter ceilings, which is always more difficult to work with. So the goal there was just to make the room like as dead as possible. So the entire ceiling in that space is. We ripped out the drywall and put in acoustic paneling in the entire seat in the entire room, so it would, so we could control the sound as much as we wanted to. So how is that? I mean, um, as you've had some bands come through now the past two, three, four weeks, 
um, to kind of test the system that you currently have? Are you still tweaking the the room, or, or have you found any surprises? You know, I have, have going through this process. I, I mean, I will forever be tweaking everything. <laughs> That's just the way I am. <laughs> but uh, the response from bands has been great. They're they love the room. They're excited about it. Um, they one of the comments we got was that the stage feels controlled, but still has good energy. So that's the goal for sure. Uh, there's definitely some still, still some things that I am going to work on and, um, dial in a bit, but I'm pretty happy with where we ended. Yeah. Those ceiling panels really make it so that even in the back of the room, you can hear really well, but you can also talk at a normal volume to the people next to you. And so the bartenders love it, the customers love it, because they can, like, order oh. drinks and not be having to yell at each other. And So it kind of just creates, um, you know, wherever you're at in the room, you can talk to the people around you, which is nice. Right. Not a lot and of it's not distracting like for... The band. The band. Yeah. 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 So, Carly, you... Um, well, I don't... I, for both of you, but... Pro- just produced an album. Mm-hmm. Um, performing in you know at least two or three projects, musical projects, and working full time. But I heard a while back your dream was to be able to actually quit or not have to work in your full time job, mm-hmm. and then maybe pursue this new entrepreneurial venture. And that has recently happened. Yeah, this is my first week. So, what's your role going to be now at the Lucky You? What's how's what's? Well, we kind of have decided that um, I'm going to take over the Bartlett, oh. so I'll be taking over all the booking and, um, you know, just kind of operations on the ground there, and Caleb will focus more on Lucky You. So, just kind of create some separation for us. And he's been doing the Bartlett now for, you know, almost six years, and I think he could use a little bit of a reprieve from that whole minutiae of you know i mean we do like 200 shows a year there so Mm. it's just like nuts so many emails and um working with tons of bands so i kind of have um, some ideas and just wanted to give it a shot so we're gonna do that switch and he'll probably have to help me some but (laughs) yeah i mean so what you talk about some ideas what are you kind of thinking if you can talk about that a little bit of um maybe tweaking the setup at the yeah i mean the bartlett books itself as far as touring bands go we don't really reach out to anyone they all come to us at this point which is really nice um but the one you know the one of the reasons why we opened an all ages space is so that we could foster the all ages scene Mm. and we still almost six years later are not really connected with it at all i don't know if it just is still small or Um, But we get, you know, we get connected with one or two younger bands, like high school bands, every couple of years. And that's Mm. about it. So I I really want to work on trying to, you know, do more stuff with high school bands, high school musicians. And because, I mean, it's a big sacrifice financially to be all ages. And I feel Mm. like if we're not actually using that to the community's benefit, it doesn't seem worth it. So I want to see us engage more with that group. Oh, that'd be, be great. They yeah. used to have, didn't they? Bobfest. Er, yeah, Rockfest. Yeah. Rock, well, yeah, there was two huge oh. battle of the bands when I was in high school. There was Bobfest and Rock did a Final Four. And they were huge. I mean, they were massive. And they just kind of fizzled out. We participated with, you know, sponsoring Bobfest when we first opened. But then it just kind of lost steam and 
It was, they were doing it in the park. It was kind of a big thing to organize. Mm-hmm. So Sean Burgett, who does Rock Club, is organizing his own kind of battle with the bands at the pin, I think, later this summer. Um, so we're going to meet and just see if we can work together, mm-hmm. tag team anything. But Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, Caleb, when you uh, book bands, I mean, what what is that like? And um, I mean, there's got to be something to it. To maybe do you establish a base? Do you, do you advertise online and then other bands kind of see this and kind of do? I mean, yeah. So a lot of it is just well, we work with booking agents. So certain agents um, have several bands on their roster that are of a similar size. So you kind of get on people's radar and they know that they can route bands through the city. So there's that aspect of it. But in the, and then there's also trying to figure out like you know, what's our direction with both spaces really? And like, what's the vibe and what are the types of music that we don't want to book as much? And what do we want to stick towards? And that's more kind of a market-based thing. Um, If you spread yourself out too much in a smaller space, your market just gets too thin and you, you don't have as much direction for where to promote and how to promote. So we tend to stick with more of the like indie up and coming artists um, realm. But a lot of it is, you know, just trying if it's a band that I don't know about and I listen to him, you either look at stats and you think like, OK, I think this band could sell tickets. Or if you don't think they can sell tickets, but you still like them, um, it's thinking about how can we put together a solid lineup with local bands that can hopefully get some people out and get this band a beginning following in Spokane so they can build off that. Mm-hmm. So what bands have, have come through that have really surprised you? That mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you didn't know about them or maybe you just didn't realize what they did and, and after they played, you just went, wow, I did, I did not expect that. Can you think of anything off the top of your head? That... That often is openers because you don't, right. a lot of times when we book a show, we don't know who who will be opening. They'll like tell us a couple of weeks later or a month later. So, and we won't know anything about the opening band. And then you're just there with no expectations and you're like, wow, where mm. did this band come from? Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of specific ones. We've had so many bands. <laughs> <laughs> we had a band a couple of weeks ago that I've known about for a while. Um, Diane Coffee, who... He played in Tame Impala. Impala. He was the drummer. Um, But this is his solo project. And I I had never really spent much time with his music, but I went and checked out the show. And there was like, I think there was maybe 20 people there. But I was just like absolutely floored by this guy's performance. It was very like theatrical and almost um, musical. Mm -hmm. Like musical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was so fun. And I just was like, this is crazy that this is happening right here for these 20 people. And mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody was loving it. Well, and you're always kind of blown away even more so if the crowd is smaller. Because you realize how few people know about mm-hmm. this artist that's so talented. You know, if it's like a headlining show and it's packed out and everyone knows about it, you're like, yeah, of course, this is good. Everyone sees that it's good and came. So it's really interesting to see just like all the different types of bands that come through. So um, I was just thinking about that uh, as the different kinds of bands, because I think that's, um, what, you know, as one that goes to a lot of shows here in Spokane, 
Um, just that exposure to things that you've probably never heard before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for um, young people or young musicians, maybe that would are forming projects or emerging bands. I think that's a, a valuable thing because sometimes you get siloed into a, yeah. a certain thing. So I think that's yeah. been definitely one of the byproducts of that. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you because you're both musicians and you've both probably been musicians as long as you can remember. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're playing music. Was where you are now with the Bartlett, with the Lucky You, was that always part of the plan? Or was this something that just kind of, because you kind of mentioned there weren't a lot of venues in town. Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways you were filling a need. But I mean, I, I guess I just don't know. I, I mean, I hate to say tell me the history yeah. of everything. But uh, <laughs> I mean, how, how, did this, how did this go from you plinking around on a guitar or a piano to being where you are now? I, I would say it's probably my fault, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing some promoting um, on and off when I was in high school. I worked for an all-ages venue. Um, and just being around like music and live sound since I was a kid. Oh, we've both been music venue snobs for yeah separately and then together. Yeah. We would travel around when we met and go to shows just to see the venues mm. and to see bands. I mean, we both love live music. So that was a huge part of it. We met at a venue. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I I promoted at a venue called the Red Room in um, Kennewick for three years before I moved up here, and that was where I kind of really got the taste of like, it was a a DIY space in a church, and so we just did shows on the weekends, and we had to set the entire thing up every weekend, and then tear it back down. Like we were moving subwoofers from one room to the other every weekend. And, <laughs> But it was super fun, and um, I, that's kind of when I just got the, like, fever, and I wanted to do it, like, better and more intense and, <laughs> like, a, a real space. So when I moved here, when we got married, um, we kind of had talked about it uh, on and off a bit, but it wasn't until the Empyrean closed uh, when we, we were asked if we wanted to take it over, and that's kind of when the gears started really turning towards what we wanted to do. And we decided not to do that because we kind of wanted to let the Empyrean be what it was and be remembered for that. And we wanted to kind of start fresh. Yeah. But that's really what mm-hmm. kicked it off. Yeah, and I think the going from one venue to owning two, honestly, like we've been pretty transparent about it, was an effort to sustain the Bartlett because we couldn't do it forever we can't i mean we haven't taken a salary from it in five years and so lucky you is kind of like a double down kind of thing like (laughs) do something take what we've learned at the bartlett live music is is a loss leader you know it's like people love it it draws people in and create a space where then you can make a little bit more money off of that so that was how we ended up with two. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know many people who want who would choose to do that. It's it's a ton of work, and the Bartlett has been just never ending um, challenges and and work. But it has created something that I think is super special and that I personally love. I think it, as a musician, it's my favorite place to play. And as an audience member, it's my favorite place to see bands. And I've traveled to a lot of different venues, and it still has that feeling for me. And so, you know, I think it's 
pretty special to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Was was there a venue that either one of you or maybe it was a combination of the uh, little things that you like best about this venue and this town and yeah. this venue here, and then you kind of brainstormed that out to come up with the Bartlett? I mean, the yeah. Doug Fur was has always been Caleb's favorite place. The sound is really good, and the vibe is obviously like really well put together and well-designed. Um, so I think everything we've done has taken a bit of inspiration from that because that there's this article that Caleb could probably dig up that where the original talent buyer there talked about how the punk club has kind of just been the the super long era of music venue and their idea with the Doug Fur is that when your parents come to town you can take them to a show there but you also feel cool going there you know it's that that combination of like it can be really nice and really cool and great for bands. You know, it's actually not that hard to do all three. And so that was a big thing for the Bartlett was like in Spokane we cannot we we need to do something that's a little more upscale, clean, you know, that can serve a wider audience of ages. So And how did you come across both of the venues? I mean you so uh I mean the Bartlett was over was Nine Bar and Bistro open at that point mm-hmm. when the Bartlett came? Yep. So how did you come across the two places that you opened? Uh, well, oh, Dan, a, you Dan can't Spaulding see it, is but there's a big savior. smile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all Dan Spaulding, really. We were looking around for a space for the Bartlett for a while. We probably, I think, we looked at eight different mm-hmm. spaces and we drew up floor plans and everything. And we kept getting turned down by uh, building owners because they just weren't interested in the type of business that we wanted to do. Yeah, up to that point, you s- you say all ages music venue, and people imagined like a a teen drop-in kind of place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we originally were going to do the Bartlett on the back side of our building on Riverside. Um, and we were pretty close to starting construction and signing a lease. And then the building owner decided he was going to do condos on both floors. Mm. So that kind of made that impossible because nobody wants to have a nice apartment right above a music venue. Yeah. So at that point, um, Dan Spaulding had heard that we were looking around, and he, was, he said, I've got this building I just bought. It's a little bit smaller than what you guys were looking at, but you should come check it out. And at that point, we didn't really have any other options, but it was kind of the perfect. He gave us a great deal on it, and it, was a, yeah, it turned out perfect. Yeah. Awesome. And so he, exact same thing with this other, with Lucky You. We were looking at some other spaces, kind of just diving into like, uh, lease where to go yeah lease negotiations and kind of where to go and we were looking at more traditional like hall type spaces kind of like your 600 cap maybe with a balcony kind of thing for like events and bigger shows and Dan caught word and was like hey let's go look at this building and when we first walked in there the Sunset <laughs> Junction, which everybody knows, <laughs> I was just like, no, no way. <laughs> this is not happening. Uh, it was gross. But then again, he gave us a, a great deal and um, convinced us that it was worth it. And yeah, yeah Dan's, here we are. Without Dan, the Bartlett wouldn't still be open. I mean, yeah, he's been a huge support. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Probably a, a hidden shout out that we should all recognize is behind behind the scenes, there's always another yeah. person that makes mm-hmm. these things possible. Yep. So, anyway, Dan Spaulding, if you ever listen to this or on the podcast, uh, we're all grateful. Hats off to you. Yeah. 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 You hey, roll. 
We need to take <laughs> yep. a little break. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Oh, Mike, you go. Now, don't forget. I know. You did a great job. Mike tends to. There I, are, I, I, I have a little quirk, but I'm going to work on this. There are parenthetical <laughs> statements in these that tell him what to say and how to read them, and he tends to read them aloud. Like, I read really the instructions, funny. and I go, well, where's the message here? <laughs> So anyway, help keep Art Hour coming to you every week for as little as $3 a month by texting GIVEKYRS to 44321. And again, Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting GIVEKYRS to 44321. And we're also going to play a little promo to my friend uh, of my friend's show, Jukebox Jenny. She does work in women's blues on Sunday nights. So uh, give her a listen. Here's what her show sounds like. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear and I'm just a Mississippi woman. I wanna take back to my blues. And every day, breaking my back, teasing my dreams, but ain't got that. Don't forget to shake your up too. I'm living for the weekend. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Women's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. And we are back. I think this would be a good time as well. Um, both Carly and Caleb are very talented uh, musicians, been in many projects. I think, Carly, I, I remember when my boys were kind of doing the open mic thing at mm-hmm. Empyrean. As Carly Fairbanks back back then, but I think you yeah yeah we got the uh, the issues still of the Inlander where we uh, where Carly Fairbanks and um, Please Draw on Me were bands to watch the same year yeah yeah that's right yeah (laughs) back in the day but uh, Carly just also um, came out with a new LP or album I should say and it's it's awesome and this project's called Window Mm -hmm. you want to before I play the selection want to just talk a little bit about your project Window and yeah I'm in Super Sparkle and uh Caleb and I have another band called Cathedral Pearls that's kind of hasn't done a ton the past few years but I started Window just as a solo project um more of a songwriting project that I could just kind of do whatever I wanted um because the other two bands are more collaborative songwriting, so Windows just kind of like my personal, more expression of songwriting, and um, we made the record over the last year and a half or so, and yeah, I really am happy with it. Cool. And did uh, Caleb do the mixing, or did you? Yeah, Caleb engineered and mixed it, and him and his brother Scotty, Scott Ryan, and I kind of produced it together, the three of us, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, here's a a selection from that. It's called Wild Thing.
That sounded great. I just Thank had it you. on my headphones, my possibly faulty headphones, uh, for <laughs> a couple of seconds. But it sounds really good. Where'd you record that? At our house. At our house. At your yeah. ho- Do you have a studio in your house? It's a DIY yeah, studio. Pseudo studio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we record, we just have like an upstairs, and Caleb has like a little mixing room that's kind of dialed in. But then we just recorded drums and stuff in our living room. So it's pretty. It's definitely DIY. And then you did, so you did the whole thing yourself, engineered, mm-hmm. mastered, everything. And then do you, do you, do you press it on vinyl? No. Oh. No. That's so expensive. so expensive. I know, it's ridiculous. I just don't If somebody out there wants to sponsor, uh, sponsor it. <laughs> 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 no, I just don't really play enough window shows live to like, because you have to be active enough to like sell copies, you know? Mm. You can play like a few shows in Spokane and sell like 10 and then, and then you have a whole box. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. How, did, how did we come up with the name Window for your project? I don't know. I just kind of liked the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a good story. Yeah. Well, Eric uh, and I both were wondering. I mean, you guys, uh, both musical, uh, lots of high energy. Uh, and I think people kind of want to know, how did you guys meet? Yeah, we met, we met at that venue that I was running in Tri-Cities. So... Uh, Carly was touring as a singer songwriter at the time, Carly Fairbanks, and I booked her to come play. Yeah. I played there a few times before we actually met. Yeah. Cause Caleb would be like out of town or something. And actually I have a pretty good story of the first time I played there. <laughs> we were, I just was playing with this band from Seattle garage voice. We just did a couple shows around the Northwest 
and we booked a show at this new venue. The Red Room looked really nice. And um, I think I booked that show with Caleb through MySpace. So that gives you an idea of how long <laughs> ago this was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know, I had played a few shows in Tri-Cities and they were okay. Um, so not that many people came, but it was he wasn't there. And his sister, which is so funny now, was running sound. And this other guy from the church that the venue is at was running lights. And I was just playing by myself. And right in the middle of my set, he turned on the fog machine. It was, like, so loud. And there were so few people in the room. And, like, no one laughed, but it was really funny and just so awkward. And he just kept doing it. And I was like, oh, please stop. <laughs> anyway, so when Caleb and I met later, I told him that story. And we had a good chuckle out of it. But, but yeah, we met there. He ran sound for me a few shows and... um just kind of, and then he came up here and visited Empyrean one night when I was playing, and we just literally have all the exact same interests and different music taste, but we like a lot of the same things, and it was pretty quick connection. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Caleb, you're uh, I think a, a great drummer. I mean, oh, um, and might talk about that a little bit. But did you play in uh, band projects as well, high school or oh, yeah. and and, and yep. things like that? I. I started playing when I was like nine years old. My dad was a drummer too, well, oh. still is. Um, but he he got me into it. Um, and then I kind of started playing at our church when I was a kid for like youth group and stuff. And then um, started a band with my brother called Cran Apple Latte oh. <laughs> in junior high. Wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then... When he moved uh, to college, I started a, a band with some friends that was more serious called Fear of Falling Stars. <laughs> we were Very kind of, uh, it was like kind of emo rock stuff. And this is in Tri-City still? This was in Salem, Oregon. Oh. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I've been playing ever since in and out of a lot of different projects and um, yeah, but kind of nonstop since then are you uh finding that for both of you because now running two venues obviously uh, it's, you know i'm thinking just starting with the lucky you just the enormous amount of hours in super sparkle um you play for window and then mm -hmm. and other projects do you need the playing the music part of it just to keep your sanity <laughs> or is the is the the current projects of the entrepreneurial uh, things going on um, taking taking over. I mean, mm. it's a little of both, I would say. Yeah. But We're still so, I mean, Lucky is still only, it's like under two months since yeah. it opened. So I think we both played in different bands for volume and that was not a great idea to try to do that and keep, both venues under control <laughs> so it is it's it's going to be tough i think i think we'll get into a groove where it will work better but it's hard it's going to be hard for us to play in the same bands i think because uh, not having one of us available right. is tough so i don't know we'll just have to see we'll see but yeah we want to do i mean we have to be playing music it's that, like yeah. a necessity so Maybe Caleb just needs to start a new band that I'm not in. <laughs> <laughs> so you have you talked about different tastes in music. Um, so what would where do you lean? I mean, my background is more folk and singer songwriter, some country, um, obviously in 
like indie rock and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. But um, Caleb grew up more. My, I mean, my dad raised me on like James Taylor and Bonnie Raitt mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And Caleb grew up on classic rock. So I think that kind of, he likes more rock stuff mm-hmm. than I do. So that's a little bit where the split is. And he likes hip hop more than I do also. Yeah. And Caleb, you are, uh, sing a little bit. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I heard a pretty wild Robert Plant oh, uh, right. version of <laughs> Whole Lot of Love at one time. Uh, uh-huh. Did you ever, I mean, of course, your brother, I think, is an amazing talent as yeah. well. Um, do you have other siblings that are in music? or is uh, We have a sister who, she lives down in Tri-Cities. She's a few years older than us, but she sings as well, yeah. Wow. And then your, your sibling, at least, is... Zach. Zach. Yeah, my older brother. I mean, he's not playing anymore, but fantastic musician. Yeah. And my younger brother is only 18, but he wants to be a hip hop producer. So he makes beats and produces tracks. So he's like really wow. into that. Wow. Yeah. So just to talk a little bit, though, I mean, again, about music, but I just think, and so what, what I really appreciate about um, you as a drummer, Caleb, is you have. Um, you don't overstate things, but mm. everything, um, I don't know, really enhances but doesn't overwhelm the band, the mm. ensemble, sure. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know, there's just the way you use your toms to also be part of the beat and not just be the same mm-hmm. two things and like that. I don't know, that's just something yeah. I noticed. But, I agree. Mm. Thank you. Um, that, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, songwriting for you, Carly, um, yeah, is that a... Uh, a meditative process for you and mm-hmm. is that something where you need the space as opposed to busy time yeah and, yeah 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 I mean it's different for each project like super sparkle kind of started as a uh almost like a prompt for the three of us that write for that band and like let's try our hand at this different kind of music so that's a little bit more in a different headspace for me of just trying to do something very specific where my solo stuff is more just trying to emote something and and capture a feeling instead of a specific, you know, sounding song. Yeah. So, yeah, I like kind of... I want to get back to asking you a little bit of a question about venues in Spokane. So I think back to where Spokane was before the Bartlett, and it was, I mean, obviously things change always, yeah. but uh, this was a much different town then. Mm-hmm. Now we have the Bartlett. Now we have the Lucky You. You know, A-Club's become the pin. And now the observatory is closed again, I think, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. week. Oh, mm-hmm. It's yeah. closed. Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean, we've we've come a long way. But in your opinion, I mean, since we've, we've been growing, we've been getting better, what does Spokane still need in order to kind of take that next step? I'm not saying to be Seattle or Portland right, or anything right. like that, but it feels like you fulfilled a couple of needs. What mm-hmm. other things do you see out there that we still kind of have a need for? Yeah, I think something we talk about a lot is uh, a lack of music industry here. Mm. So it is very challenging for a band to get to a level where they can keep growing in Spokane. Mm. You kind of get to this point and well, we're hoping that we can address some of that with Lucky You. We'll kind of see how that works because we've had artists that grow locally and then they'll sell out the Bartlett a few times and then there's kind of a plateau and it's hard to take that next step. It's hard to know where to go. Well, yeah, because you can't just jump up to the knitting factory right. from mm-hmm. there. Mm. So once we get into Lucky You more, I mean, the goal would be to 
take that band and then go bigger and go for a, a bigger size. But again, there's only so much you can do with the live show. There's so many other factors involved in being a full-time musician or whatever that looks like for somebody, but somebody that feels like they can continue to grow in their art. And a lot of that is comes down to like being able to tour and trying to get a booking agent and trying to get the more of the industry to kind of mm-hmm. recognize what you're doing. Yeah. The, and, and it's just so strange. Spokane's never had, I mean like resurrection records is the only indie label here and it's pretty new. Well, I'm sorry, not resurrection records. What's the one that bad motivators on? Oh. Uh, is it corp? No. Corporat? Corporat. Corporat. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Resurrection Records is a label too. Right. But so those two are the only ones that exist and they're pretty new. And it's just so strange that there's not, there's not like young people being like, I'm going to start a record label with my friends' bands. You know, mm. that happens in most places. Mm. And in Spokane, for some reason, it doesn't. And I don't, I think it's pretty easy to be status quo here. Well, can I ask you a weird question? I mean, in this, in this, uh, I mean, in the last 10, 15 years, it seems like a record label has become less important to a musician. Totally. So, but I mean, what would be like, the advantage As of far that? as indie music culture, even to get people in Spokane to think your band is cool and even to come out and see you, someone else has to say you're cool too. <laughs> right. You know, like you can't, you know how it's, how it is being in a band. It's like you, you get to this point where like the same people have come to see you play and that's it. And right. it's really hard to break past that. And a lot of ways that that happens in other scenes and bigger scenes is like, um, you know, there's a, a music zine or there's like a, you know, there's me- other media, there's a blog, there's a small record label that now they're on. You know, there's other stuff going on where it's like, oh, I've seen that name of that band before and now this other thing legitimizes them to me. And so I'm going to go see them play finally. So it sounds like what you're saying is it's kind of an infrastructure that we need. Absolutely. That we don't have. But it also sounds like an infrastructure that would have to come from a whole bunch of different yep. places at once. Mm-hmm. Do we have any of that kind of percolating up? Or are we still just kind of sitting here with not a lot going on? I mean, Re- Resurrection Records, the actual record store, I think has been a huge signal that like there's something percolating. Because he's actually stocking music that we bring through the Bartlett, which Mm. wasn't happening until he opened that store. And, you know, the other, other record stores in Spokane are great and all, but like, he's actually bringing in vinyl of bands that we have, you know, next week. So that's a big thing. I think that just creates another level of like, um, awareness, you know, and, and some, and accessibility for the music. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I see things come and go. Um, I ran a blog for a long time and I just, I stopped it two years ago because I just didn't have time. And I was like, I hope someone else starts something and no one's done Mm. anything. And I, I get, you can tell I'm getting frustrated, (laughs) (laughs) but it is that it's just this thing where I'm like, man, somebody else do something, you know, like we can't do it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wonder though, how many, um, that was a challenge, everyone. That was a call to action. Well, I'm thinking, you know, with our high school kids, you know, and I think you started in high school or just before that. And, but that typically high school is when kids start looking out mm-hmm. and go, you know, I'm maturing as a musician. I'm going to give this a run. And maybe I'm wondering if, you know, your new uh, venture as the Bartlett and mm-hmm. maybe making that um, exploring some yep. of those things. 
the word would get out at least where to go. And like if I'm a high school kid and I want to get into record producing yeah. mm-hmm. or that kind of thing, what where would I where do I start? Yeah. You know. And, and I, I will you know just to name drop a few other people like Jimmy from Amplified Wax. Having when he upgraded his studio, the space there and now, it's like it's so awesome for the local music scene to have a space that's so awesome and really affordable. You know, we haven't had a super accessible space. Dan has a studio. It's not, it's hard to understand how to book it still, but, and then like the hip hop scenes just really come up and, um, the people in that group are taking it really seriously, which I think makes people in other genres be like, Oh, like we could Mm -hmm. take what we're doing seriously too. So I think there's definitely stuff happening and I think I just get a little impatient. (laughs) Yeah. But but it's good. Like music video jams too, that. That thing is super cool. Oh right, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a there's there is a bunch of stuff happening, and it does take a lot of people engaging with it for it to for it to grow. And it does seem, as you're talking about that, you have kind of tried to get that spark going. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned something about mm-hmm. the collect sessions mm-hmm. online recently, yeah. And those were really great videos, and they sounded awesome. Yeah. And but you know, like you say, at some point, it's like I'm inspiring other people to keep going with this, yeah. and and yeah. No, I get that. That's a great answer. I that's not what I would have thought, but as soon as you say that, it's like bands that reach that ceiling you were talking about, Caleb. Mm-hmm. They got to leave town if mm-hmm. they want to think about doing yeah. something else. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of bands, was Cathedral Pearls the, your first project together? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I I have here um, uh, queued up. Um, there's like five songs here. Is there any particular one that um, Carly? I'd just have you look at that. That would be one that we could. Uh, probably in. just the first one. Okay. Yeah, that's our newest one. This is uh, Cathedral Pearls, America's Child.
I heard the emo you were talking about earlier a little bit, but I also heard the hard rock you were talking about earlier. Yeah. That's a big drum sound. My friend Robert's listening right now saying, oh my gosh, I love it. So who was your, uh, who was your favorite drummer? I mean, Bonham was my, oh my gosh. he was my guy for sure. You, Rob, my friend Rob from Atari Ferrari is now, you are now his yeah. favorite person. He loves Did John we just Bonham. come best friends? <laughs> I think you did. Rob's great. He's, he's a great drummer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But Bonham is definitely number one. For oh me. yeah, he's he was a monster. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Carly? Do you have um, some uh, artists that really continue to inspire you? Hmm. I I mean Bonnie Raitt has always been a one that I love her voice and her guitar playing. Um, more modern stuff like Laura Veers was a big influence when I first started writing songs, um, and just seeing someone that was playing guitar really well and like writing all different sorts of mm-hmm. types of music. Um, and then I really love Jen Wastner from Y Oak and flock of dimes. She's like one of my heroes. Um, and you know, I, it's, it's cool to be in bands with people that are also like musical heroes. Like Max is such mm-hmm. a, such a talent and there's so much creativity in his brain that it just like makes me want to try to write songs better, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So just, I mean, there's so many people in Spokane that I feel that way about. It's cool to be surrounded by creative giants. Yeah. So, so we've only got a couple of more minutes. So what's what's coming up musically and otherwise? I mean, Lucky Lucky U has had its grand opening, mm-hmm. went well. Mm-hmm. And what's what's next musically and business wise for you two? Gosh, so much stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've got four shows this weekend at the Bartlett and. Uh, Lucy Dacus is coming this summer to the Bartlett, which I'm really excited about. It's one on, on the calendar that's a big, big deal to me. Um, what's up at Lucky You, Caleb? Uh, we're starting lunch on Monday. Ah. Oh, lunch wow. service. Right so, on. Uh, we're really trying to, like, our food menu is just insane. And we, because we come from the Bartlett background, um, Everybody thinks we're just a music venue, so we're really trying to establish that, no, this is a, a full-time place. We're open, going to be open 11 to 2 every single day. 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. Right, right, every day, and um, the food's amazing, mm-hmm. and the drinks are amazing, and then we have great live music on top of that. Right so. On. <laughs> so what's your favorite thing on the menu so far? Um, oh, man. Yeah. It's so simple, but the chicken sandwich is just—it's stupid. It's <laughs> that's what you wouldn't think. My daughter gives think. me crap for saying it's hey, stupid yeah. when it's good. Yeah, I'm glad somebody else. You does wouldn't it. think that that's the thing, but it's just so good. It's really good. What's yeah. your favorite? Um, I really like. We have this thing that's called a grain bowl, and it has like a rice quinoa mix, greens, and like almonds, and this harissa sauce with. Um, you can get it with chicken or tofu. I get that a lot. It's just kind of a healthier thing. Now, it's quite a a varied menu, so maybe um, some props to your your head chef. Who is that? Josh Grimes. Yeah. Yeah, and how did you come across um, Josh to be your head chef? Um, He, a mutual friend of ours, kind of suggested, he saw that we had posted our, we were hiring Mm -hmm. or looking to hire somebody, so he kind of nudged him a little bit, and so he applied, and uh, we interviewed him, and 
We didn't look back. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he fit the mold perfectly. Yeah, and we've just kind of given him complete control to do whatever he wants in the kitchen, which is, I think, fun for him and fun for us because we just get to try everything and enjoy it. There's weekly food specials, so it changes every week. And, yeah, he's having a great time. Eric, this has been a great pleasure. Um, it has been. I'm, Thanks I'm, for coming yeah. in. Thanks Absolutely. For it's us. been a lot of fun. Yeah. The hour went fast. That yeah. was really great. Yeah, I think uh, speaking for, I'm sure, many either musicians as well as music lovers, the one thing that always comes across is how, how grateful they are mm. for you know the Bartlett starting and uh, all the things that that has done. And now I'm sure we're going to hear even more about the the whole the whole holistic experience of lucky you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Thanks, Mike. I, I, think, I think we're agree. the lucky ones. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. <laughs>